All right, so we've got a unique situation here where I missed a few days where I was going to be setting up all this myth stuff. And if I take the time to do that, then that'll chop at our, chip away at our Fellowship of the Ring time. I can't do that. So I'm going to try something I've never done. I've been doing it twice now, uh, this morning twice, and I have one more shot at it. I'm going to take a full 45-minute lesson and drop it into five minutes, <laughs> which is a little crazy. But it's actually probably really healthy for me to try to do because if I can do that, I'm going to give you the core. I'm going to give you the essential of it. And it's, it's been a unique experience. And so since we didn't have class on Monday when I would have been doing this, or not Monday, but you know, last week before the Lord of the Rings test, like, ready, set, go. Um, and as we look at Silmarillion, and hopefully you read Silmarillion. Let me get rid of this back here. All right, you read Silmarillion. Hopefully you read The Hobbit. And today is Silmarillion Day. That's a unique story, right? We've got this creator God who creates angel beings, and they sing the world into existence, right? If I had to boil down my lesson on myth, which is five pages of notes prior to these pages, with all those notes in the Act 5 part of your workbook, I would say this. Poets, for years and years and years and years, especially the big epic poets, Homer and the Beowulf poets, all these mythological poets who've been telling us like Norse mythology and Chinese mythology, all these poets, they see the world we live in and how fantastic it is, how fantastical, how mythical, how legendary, how powerful and beautiful it is, right? And so what they do is from real life, they write these legends. They write these myths. And when I say legend or myth to you guys, you're thinking what kind of a story? Fantasy. Yeah, which is what? True or not true? Not false. true. Not true. You would say that it's false, right? Because this is the real world. And then these poets wrote these fantasy stories, these myths, these legends, and that's not real. Got it? What Tolkien and Lewis have done is they've said, wait, uh, time out, world. We're forgetting one of the main points that these poets were trying to get us to understand. They weren't saying, this is the real world. This is the fantasy world. They were saying, this is the fantasy world. And here's my mythical fantasy story about what world? our mythical, legendary fantasy story that we live in. We drag a little bit. This is the class where you're allowed to check off Mr. D is completely insane. That's fine. I know that I am. I'm trying to get you guys to go crazy, too. Here we go already. Like, what Lewis and Tolkien have done with Narnia and Lord of the Rings is they reverse the process because they already know the biblical story. Since they already know the biblical story, what do they do? They write fantasy stories that point us, Aslan points us to who on purpose? Oh, come on, team. God. Jesus. <laughs> like, Aslan, is he a real character? And some of you are like, oh, it's like saying Santa Claus isn't real. <laughs> Aslan is a fantasy, right? He's not a real lion. Like, oh, sorry, Aslan. Right? Like, he's a story that Lewis made to point us to the real story that we're in. Does that make sense? Tolkien wrote Lord of the Rings, this fantasy story that points us to the real story. But what Lewis is really saying is, this is not just the real story. 
these are mythical and this is true but it's the true myth how are we doing and so this is the part of class where it's like right like do we see that do we understand that actually when you and I look at Iliad and Odyssey we call those things mythical legendary and fantasy because they weren't real because they point to the real legend and fantasy that we're in we have to work backwards because actually what we're saying in that is that the Iliad and the Odyssey point to the biblical story the biblical fantasy story that we're in. So that fantasy story points to what fantasy story? This one. And the person who wrote it, Homer, is like, oh, I gotta write a fantasy story to, ex to explain this fantasy story. Tolkien already knows the real fantasy story, the one that we're in, so what type of story does he write to describe this fantasy story? A what? A fantasy story that points us to another, which is the, the biblical story, which we are in Acts chapter 3,422, which is a what story? Fantasy story. We doing all right? We tracking? There it is. It took me about three minutes. But if I had to sum it all up, that's the lesson. Now, let me try to help a little bit here. I'm speaking in chapel next Tuesday. Ooh, ooh. This is for my daughter, Olivia, to wear. It's too big on purpose because I wanted to do what? Grow into it. My point will be publicly alive that I will be a good dad by helping my daughter understand that she's a superhero in a fantasy superhero story for real, right? <laughs> and now a lot of people I know will criticize that and say that I'm cruel. She's not a superhero, she's not. And you think, well, metaphorically she is. No, no, what? For real she is, right? That's the kingdom, when we talk about the kingdom of God. Jesus was like, okay, you guys, you can fish. That's great. Nothing wrong with fishing. You can fish the rest of your life. But how about this? You want to come and follow me? And in this real world, the story that you and I believe to be real, how about you guys come and follow me? We're going to go actually walk on water. You're going to catch fish and pay your taxes with a coin in its mouth. We're going to feed thousands of people with one lunch. Ready? You want to be a superhero? Not like you see in the movies where you just pretend to be one. Like you see in the movies for what? Real. For real. real. We're going to see dead people and have them come back to life for real. How are we doing? Are you tracking? You got to go. Laugh on being a superhero. Right? So, that being said, when I... Imagine this, ready? Imagine this. I come in the room and I say, hey, you guys, check this out. This is really amazing. We actually found, some of you have it in front of you, we actually found the real creation story, the real one. It's Tolkien's Silmarillion. 
That's actually what happened. It's the true one. What might some of you say? Ooh. What? What? And you guys are just, you're going to take it? Oh. Real? It's a cool story. So you're going to actually sit here at Wheaton Academy, senior level Bible class, and accept Tolkien's as the true creation story. If you say it is. Thanks. I appreciate the authority. That's great. What will a lot of you do? Say no. Why? Huh? So what would it take for me to convince you that it is? Video proof. Like, ready? Wait, you guys. Wait, but wait. Try to stay with me for another minute or two. That's evangelism. It really is. You're saying you believe Moses' version of the story. Moses wrote a story. There's a God hovering over the waters, right? And then he, like, speaks, and then things happen. And then there's, like, naked people in a garden, and a snake talks to them. And then they get kicked out with angels with swords. That's the story you're saying is true? Yes. Okay, great. You believe that one is true. How, what would it take for me to convince you that that's not true and that the Tolkien one is? Video evidence. Like you guys want that, uh, for me to convince you, for me to evangelize you to believe Tolkien, I have to completely shift your trust list, but your trust in what kind of a story? A supernatural fantasy story with talking snakes in gardens. Do you really believe that that's the way it really happened? I'm not trying to shake your faith, I'm trying to do what? Yes. Yeah, you really do. You believe in what kind of a story? A fantasy story. That's the story you believe in if you say you're a Christian. It's a fantasy story. Like Philip flies and like goes over there. Jesus floats away. Like people get eaten by whales. You know, like and then spit up on shore. People cross through oceans on dry land. It's a what? Fantasy story. It's a really good one. Like an awesome one. And it's so awesome because it's actually the one we're in. It's the real fantasy story. But so if I tried to convince you to go from the Bible fantasy story to Tolkien's fantasy story, it's basically shifting from one fantasy to another, right? It's just that the Bible is the true fantasy one, not this one. Is this one real? Now you're like, maybe it is. <laughs> like, no, but it, wouldn't it be cool? Like, you guys, compare them. A creator God who makes angel-type beings and then says to the angels, sing, and then what you sing will become creation. And then one of them is really mean and wants to destroy it all. There's that story. Or creator God who's sitting there hovering and speaks platypus and all these things into life. And then he like grabs some clay and like makes a person and then like brings it to life. And then like snake comes in and talks to the people. And then they get kicked out of this nice place. And then there's demons and angels in that story. Which one? Like when I say them next to each other, do we see the similarity? So Tolkien has just helped you realize that what story do you believe in? A fantasy story. And if you're like, well, I don't believe either of those, fine, we'll get Darwin to come in. And Darwin, ready? Go for it. Tell us your story. What's his story? No, come on. It, so ready? In the beginning, God created using words. In the beginning, God created angels who sang the earth in existence. Darwin, in the beginning matter and stuff connected and then evolved. That's a what? It's a story. Which story are you going to believe? They're all just what? 
They're all stories. And you and I are picking one of them. Why the Bible one? Hopefully for good reason. I'm picking it too. Here's the thing. I what I want you to catch from this today, especially, is if you're picking the Bible one, that's like picking Lord of the Rings as being real. That's like picking Superman as being real. Because the stuff that happens in Superman is nothing compared to what happens in the Bible. Right? Yes. Or wait, does Superman better than Jesus? <laughs> no. Not? So then when we watch a Superman movie, we call that fantasy. We're like, wow, that's cool fantasy. So's this one. Right? Correct. All right, cool. There you go. That's, that's the opening spiel here. Like, so what I want us to do is when you highlighted those quotes, that would be the start of today's lesson, although it's not the start. Let's do this. Like, let's look at pr some primary sources. For about 40 or 50 years, we've got lots of authors, not just Lewis and Tolkien, who are saying, hey, you guys, don't forget, you live in a crazy, awesome, epic fantasy story. When actually a lot of us have forgotten what? That exact truth. We think we just live in some whatever material, boring, no supernatural story, right? We're part of the greatest story ever being written, and it's a fantasy story, and it's awesome. How do you define fantasy? How do you define it? Well, the way I define it, what you're saying is not true. Okay, so you're defining fantasy as like, not true. Why is it not, not real? So why is it yeah. not real? Because it's like it's made up. It's made up. Okay, is the, so fair enough. Like it didn't actually happen. It didn't Someone actually happen. Okay, so the stuff in a fantasy story didn't actually happen, right? Why? Why? Yeah. Why isn't it happening? Because someone else made it up. What? Because someone made it up. Because someone made it up. So that's what makes it fantasy, right? Yeah, but like the Bible, like I believe that that stuff actually happened. So exactly. Like, yeah, God like made it and like created it and made it up. That's the like, point. Yeah, but it actually <laughs> someone happened. Someone made it up and... It actually happened. That's the point. See? But I wouldn't call that fantasy because it actually But it happened. is fantasy. Did someone make it up? Yeah, but you could call everything. You could call everything fantasy, but is all fantasy actually real? No. But is this one... See, the fantasy that's not real is what I would define as fantasy. But see, what I'm saying is fantasy is a story that someone made up, and is God doing that. And this is the one that he's making up, and we're in it, and it's real. Right? See where we're going? Yeah. See, what we want to do is we want to separate the two, and what, I, what Tolkien and Lewis are saying, it's both and. Mm -hmm. It's a crazy made-up fantasy story by God, and we're in it, and it's true. So Tolkien talks about us being sub-creators. We also make up other fantasy stories, but are they true? No, no but is this a made-up story? Yeah, by God, and it's what? True. Hey, and we're in it. And it's pretty cool, isn't it? Mm -hmm. See, so if I were to write fantasy, ready? This is the beauty of it. Catch it. Oh, come on, please, please, please. If I were to write a fantasy story, what could I write in it? Whatever. Because what can happen in a fantasy story? Anything. So what can happen in our story? Anything. Exactly, because God's doing what? <laughs> yeah, does that make sense? Like, anything can happen in this story. If we're not living with that awe, like, oh, we're in a crazy fantasy, God's making it up. This could be awesome, right? Yeah. We're missing it. Is that, yeah? Yeah? Yeah, click, maybe. Ah, yeah. oh, it worked. Yay, yeah. hallelujah. 
Yeah. I love that the definition of fantasy because I was it? just like, if I use this in conversation, people would think I was crazy. Well, like, I, I, the people think I'm crazy. I kind of am, so that's fine. You're fine. Yeah. Uh, well, I looked it up, and it's uh, the faculty or activity of imagining things, especially things that are impossible or improbable. Exactly. So it doesn't say anything about being real or not real. It I love says, that. Like, things that are most likely impossible. And I think that would be the definition. Is we have Superman, we have Lord of the Rings, we have all these fantasy legend stories that are what? Impossible. And what are Lewis and Tolkien trying to teach us? The world we live in has what happened in it? Impossible, Impossible things. That makes it a what story? Hey, all right, how we doing? Virgins give birth. That's impossible, but it happened. <laughs> Woohoo! All right, yeah? No? Yeah? All right, how about some quotes? Let's get into the quotes. What are some quotes that caught your eye or ear? Do you guys highlight, I see some highlighted stuff throughout the, the, the room. What are some things that you guys like or not like? Nice, to, thank you guys for going there. I, like, I wanted that tension to be like, but you keep talking about, ah. that, like, that's the whole point of it. Yeah. Um, I like the we see, the not with the eye. Yeah, William Blake. Yeah. Why'd you like that one? Yeah. And we believe it, yeah. even though we don't see it with just our eyes. We see it with other things, and it's true, and it's real. Yeah, that's nice. Go Blake. Blake's awesome. He's crazy, but awesome. Good. How about somebody else? Another quote. Yeah, what do you got? I liked uh, the Tolkien quote that is says, I am a Christian, and of course what I write will be from that essential Duh. That's like... And it doesn't even have to be like with writing. It's everything. It's just who he is. Any needs. like art or anything. I think people so easily forget. Like, no, I'm a Christian. What do you mean? I'm, come on, let's let's work together here, right? So yeah, good. Yeah, Lydia, you had a thought. Yeah, I I love the quote right above that that talks. Uh, yeah. The quote, we need joy. The birth of Christ is the eucatastrophe. Yeah, eucatastrophe. Isn't that a great word? <laughs> of man's history, the resurrection is the. New catastrophe of the story of the incarnation. This story begins and ends in joy. There's no tale ever told that men would rather find as true, and none which so many skeptical men have accepted as true on its own merit. Amen. It kind of speaks for itself. I know. I think I don't have to say anything. But you, catastrophe is the worst possible thing. You catastrophe is the best. Possible. The best possible thing. And ready? It happened. The angels are like. Dad, right over there in the stable, it just happened. The best possible thing for humanity, right there. Yes, right? Kind of cool. You got a hand up? Yeah. It's like the third one on a different page. Yeah. Make no it great? So it's not like you and I are being irrational as Christians. We're totally rational. The story is true. And then it's also what? Fantasy. It's on top of the true. It's on top of the rational. The world's bigger than just reason, right? Right? Try to duelists get away with some of the stuff they say. <laughs> Here, I'll do one. How about the one a couple above that? Frodo asked, why was I chosen, right? And Gandalf quotes Jesus. Really? But you have been chosen. You must therefore use the strength, heart, and wits as you have. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Isn't that interesting? Like, it's pointing straight to Scripture right there. 
almost overtly. Or Blake. I love the guys like, hey, Blake, you're a poet, dude. When you see the sun, is it like a gold coin? You know, like, Blake's like, what do you mean gold coin? There's like angels riding, going, holy, holy, holy. Like, and that's what he sees. He sees angels riding yeah. this blazing flame. And you're like, no, it's just a flaming ball of gas. Okay, you can believe that if you want. You can also believe, ah, yeah, Jesus, holy, holy, holy. Like, you get to pick. That's how everybody mocks me for the fairies exist. I'm like, okay, prove to me that they don't. Come on, go. Come on. Like, we're not in the Bible. Well, neither is Abraham Lincoln. Oh. You know, like, like, it is, but like, part of it is like, could God make one? Sure. If I'm wrong, I'll say I'm sorry in heaven. But like, we got a possibility here. Like, why? Why are we limiting ourselves to just what we observe or science or, yeah? Or against them. But there, are, there is evidence for, say, like a dog versus there's no evidence against dogs. Okay. There's but the evidence for fairies, the evidence for fairies would be is could our God create one? Yeah. If he wanted to. Yeah. Okay, so maybe he did. But, like, they, they, humans created the idea of fairies. How do you know? Where'd they get the ideas from the stories? Their head. Are you, you sure they got them from their head? What if yeah. God told them that there's fairies? I mean... <laughs> like, I, I'm not going to die on that hill. I'm not here to, like, prove to you that fairies exist. I'm just saying, am I allowed to believe that they do? Yeah. Okay. If I'm wrong, I'm sorry. You don't have to. But my, my point is, like, my point is, what, the wonder, delight, the whole this other thing, like, there's more. I mean, I have a pet. Maybe angels have pets and they're fairies. You know, who knows? Like, I just don't want to limit. That's what I'm saying. Like, but I also don't want to be irrational, but also at the same time, why not? I don't care, who cares? Like, on some like, whatever. Demons exist, angels exist, I'm sure there's something out there. Maybe not. I, I, like, why can't we get into this wonder and awe and imagination and creativity realm? Do you believe in aliens? Wow, what do you think? One last thing, because i got to wrap it up for time's sake. There's no didactic prescription for the right way to live. In other words, instead of moralizing about the corruptness of men and their damnation through their sins, mm. demanding that one must be good and turn the other cheek in adversity, would that make a good sermon? It makes hundreds of good sermons a year. That's fine. But so ready? If you go to church and you listen to a sermon for 45 minutes and you learn about corruptness and sin and turn the other cheek in adversity... You learn to love your enemy. Good sermon. Yeah? If you walk away from the sermon and leave, I should learn to love people who hate me. Guess what you can do this weekend? Sing some praise and worship songs. Take communion. Do uh, offering and then watch Lord of the Rings. Because what are you going to watch? You'll watch Frodo be kind, compassionate, and loving to Gollum who wants to kill him. So did I just compare watching Lord of the Rings with going to church? Yes. On purpose. Like, that's the point. When I watch Lord of the Rings and I can learn these biblical truths, you can get that biblical truth from what? A sermon? A blog? A story? Right? So basically, it's a stick and you can't go to church or you can go to the Rings. Well, but, or so, you want. but so it's interesting. They even, they even said, at, after this point... Jesus only talked to them in stories. It's almost like, and Jesus only showed them movies. You know, like, that's what he's like, I'm done with all the, the teaching. So, yeah, you had a thought. But it should never replace the act of 
No. Well, what I'm saying is at church, if you showed 45 minutes of Lord of the Rings, would it work for a sermon? Yeah. Yeah, why not? Does that make sense? So even like, it's church, just go watch Lord of the Rings. Oh, no, no, what I said, sing some praise and worship songs. You know, you can have a church service, be in community, and watch a movie and learn about God. How's that sound? Or you can do that with a sermon and learn about God. Your choice. Is that, I think that's where, if we're catching what I'm saying here is, can we learn theological, biblical, spiritual life truths through studying powerful stories? Yeah, that's why Jesus told parables. Especially since we're in a story, that's why it works so well. We love stories. Yeah? Go team. Yeah, five minutes. Let me try in five minutes to show you something that I learned that was amazing for me when I read Silmarillion. Um, you're reading about, it's like Joel Visker directing choir, everybody's singing, and then all of a sudden, what does one person do in the choir? What does Melkor do? He sings against everybody else. Why? Rebel. To get glory for himself. And then he starts singing against himself to ruin the song. But what does Melkor say on page 17? Don't miss this. And thou, Melkor, shalt see that no theme may be played that hath not its uttermost source in me, nor can any alter the music in my despite. For he that attempteth this shall prove mine instrument in the devising of things more wonderful which he himself has not imagined. They sing this song, they get to see it, and then Ilvatar lets them enter into it. And when they enter into it, Melkor wants to ruin creation. Sounds like Satan. Satan. So ready? Catch this. This changed my life. It really did. I was a dualist until I read this. I thought it was God versus Satan. I thought it was good versus bad. It's not. But the good one already. But it, yeah, exactly. It's not good versus bad per se. I mean, Satan, when he goes to God and Job, is like, can I please hurt Job? Like, no way. Satan's fighting who, you guys? Not God. Who's yes. he fighting? Us and, and Michael and Gabriel. You can't fight God. Are you kidding me? I didn't know that. I didn't get it until I read this. And then even more so, I see Melkor try to ruin what Ulmo is making with the water, right? He goes in, he wants to ruin it, so he's going to heat it up and ruin it. And what does he make? Rain and steam. Oh, thanks, Melkor. He's like, I'll freeze it. And then what does he make? Snow. Can you imagine how frustrating that would be? Everything you try to ruin ends up turning into something beautiful. So then, here we go. We've got Satan going, awesome, God's, God's on the planet in the form of a human? We're going to nail him to a cross. And I'm gonna, I just killed God. Yeah. Oh, shoot. I just saved all of humanity by grace. Crap. Right? Like, you guys, if this is true, if this story points to our story, what does it say about your story? Satan can't do, he can't ruin anything in your life. Wow, I got a hump for that. Amen. <laughs> you guys, Satan's like, oh, there's the Dominguez family, dad's powerful doctor, elder in the church, got nine kids, I'll kill their dad. That'll ruin their family. Did that ruin my family? No. Actually, it helped me understand my true identity in Christ and God is my father instead of idolizing my own dad. That was a long journey, but 20 years later, part of me is like, thanks. Because can he ruin it? Like, that's one little story here 
And Tolkien shows us this evil, powerful, evil character that tries to ruin the good story and only makes beautiful things when he tries to ruin it. That's some powerful theology in this little story, let alone learning that it's Melkor versus angels, not really Melkor versus God, which many of you hopefully are just like, duh, Mr. D. I wasn't. I, I had thought it was Satan versus God. This story cleared me up after all the churches and schooling that I went through around here. Not to bash that, I just didn't get through. The story, it did. And so for some of you, the lecture, the lesson, the book is going to work. For some of you, the movie or the story is going to work, right? But either way, catch that really cool lesson. In this story, the enemy tries to ruin creation and ruin the story, and God's just like, yeah, nice try. As you leave today, where is the enemy maybe trying to ruin your life? Kenny? Kenny? No. 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 God's in control. Or, or maybe that's just fantasy. Ah. Ah, all right. All right. See you guys. Nice job today. Have a great day. Mr. D, how was your Mother's Day? It was good. Uh,